Hello, I'm Tim Worthington, and this is a special extra bit of Christmas fun for listeners to Looks Unfamiliar. I used to do a podcast with Ben Baker and Phil Catterall, who you may have heard on Looks Unfamiliar, and Daryl McLean-Jones, who will be on it soon. We started a long time ago, before I think we really knew that the word podcast existed. There were just bits of audio fun that we all liked doing, we all put together. There were a combination of a number of things. We had we had sketches in there quite a lot, most of them TV parodies, things like Torch Ward and Life on Mars. We had The Wire quite early on, actually, which I was surprised to find recently. Uh, Kate Thornton's Streamwipe as well. Some of them still stand up, some of them you had to be there, like our version of Combat Opera doing pages with CFAX, which I'm sure you're all just thinking they're just words now. It meant something at the time. But as well as the sketches, we had sort of conversational bits, we had bits where we reacted live to unusual records, all kinds of things like that joined up together. And we always did a Christmas one. In fact, some years we did more than one. Some we did one for every week of Advent. This is basically a collection of highlights from right across all of those podcasts from that whole time frame. Okay, I should warn you, there is some strong language in some parts of this. Generally, it's all quite fun, and I hope you enjoy it, and Merry Christmas! Tell you, Adams, yeah, I actually can kind of understand already where you're coming from. My sort of general remembrance of it was that it would always seemingly start in the week you went back to school in September, and it would run right through to Christmas. And so I used to I used to actually count off the weeks because like the Christmas holiday was my favourite time off the year because you know more happened and it was less boring than the summer. I actually used to count off the weeks yeah. of the autumn term by the episode of Teleaddicts. So what's the first Christmas thing you can remember in your general personal life? Well, we always used to have a cassette in our house when I was when I was little. It was one of the first. I think it was the first. Now that's what I call music spin-off. It was now that's what I call Christmas. It does sound so far like you're going to do some ter- terrible poverty tale. When I was when we had one cassette, <laughs> and it was now that's what I call Christmas, and I had to listen to it all year. <laughs> that was until my dad came home, I remember the look on his face. He got do the huckle book by <laughs> we, we had this uh, cassette, and it came out every Christmas. Along with a tape of Coronation Street cast members introducing Christmas carols sung by the Greater Manchester Police Force. What? <laughs> this is not a real thing. It is a real thing. Oh, but bloody hell. <laughs> we're not talking... I'm not... My passion... Talk about the <laughs> Coronation Street cast presenting the Greater Manchester Police Force. Michael Stein just sadly couldn't breathe enough to get that in. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. But I did like the now that I, now that's what I call Christmas or the best Christmas album. It was a now thing anyway. So so what year is this roughly? I think it's early eighties. I think I think uh, Shaking Stevens' song would just come out. I think that's, is that eighty five. Yes, yeah, I seem to recall it being bumped a year, so banned. Yeah, because it didn't have that on, so it must have been that year. Because one year later, it would have done. Right. Yeah. Then that would have been sort of the peak of now being yeah. sort of a new thing, I suppose. And it had, it had just basically everything you'd want on it. It had Paul McCartney, John and Yoko, Mud, Gary Glitter, Slade, etc. I'm just letting him go on. Here. <laughs> he's, just, he's got a panic look in his face. <laughs> uh, uh, Alan Allenson, uh, the Christmas balls. <laughs> but yeah, and I just loved these songs. I was always very disappointed when Christmas had finished and I wasn't allowed to listen to them anymore. Oh, a bit of applause. 
Tim, what the hell is this? This is something called On the Way to Bethlehem, or as it's pa- apparently more properly known, the Shepherd's Pipe Carol. Mmm, Shepherd's Pipe. <laughs> I, love, I love a nice slice of Shepherd's Pipe. <laughs> Shepherd's Pipe Carol. But, uh, no, it's performed by Val Dunican. It was just... He's, strangely forgotten figure where for years and years he had this variety show which was really weird he'd come out in a rocking chair and sing the song about you know oh Rafferty went to Cheshire oh Rafferty went to Mars or something like that and then he'd do comedy sketches with like I don't know Michael Palin or someone and then chat to a bishop or something and it was like the sort of programmer at the time you just thought yeah but when you think about it now you think what is this bloody programme but every year we'd do a Christmas special on Christmas Eve where it would be set around the fireplace where it would be hanging up his stocking while he was singing and so on did either of you do school fairs as a kid I used to love them yeah 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 what sort of thing well, you see, I was lucky enough to be going to my own school fairs at a time when people were chucking away stuff in the 60s and 70s. Right. And I, I came home with things like, you know, dinky toys of Jerry Anderson programmes in good, really good condition, oh. Monty Python vinyl albums, annuals that are, I think are quite rare now, you know, of like 60s TV shows. Yeah. So it was quite a good time, really. But now, you know, the eBay hawks descend straight away and buy up anything interesting. And I think that, that spoils it for the kids now who are in the sort of position I was in then. What Fist of Fun videos and that dreadful uh, free CD that Newman and Medill did. We do not discuss minutes of the parish council meeting. Well, <laughs> did you do school fair things? Well, my, my school tended to do one in, in autumn for some reason rather than at Christmas. Because they were pagans. <laughs> yeah, we did once catch Nicolas Cage, smash his legs and cover him in bees, so that could have been it. But that was just as punishment for doing the Wicked Man remake, <laughs> it? It's interesting about school fairs, though, that everyone always talks about, you know, what you could buy from, you know, like the bookstall and toy stores. Nobody talks about the rubbish games and attractions like the chocolate train. Um, and that thing where you won a goldfish by throwing a ball in a jar. Why the chocolate train? Yeah, yeah, the chocolate train. Well, they used to have like a wine... No, no, don't say that. Like, it's a perfectly uh, uh, fine thing to say. Well, do you remember the chocolate train? Yeah. Amazingly not. the wind-up toy train on the track and like you know you bought names of a station that was written all the way around it and if it stopped at your station you won some chocolate come on ben don't you remember the marshmallows gay electrics don't you remember it <laughs> let's have a look at the oh the image the images are all just like trains made of chocolate this is a swizz uh, the bottle thing you know where you pulled a, like oh the tombola there are all sorts of strings and you pulled one and they weren't attached to anything or they're attached to a bottle and it could be a bottle of pop or a bottle of you know, no, see, you've made that one up now. No, that's what we used to do, like, and you'd get whatever bottle was attached to it. But you could win booze as a six-year-old. I remember one school fair, it was like, a, I was an after-school thing, and they had a video in another, in sort of the main playroom for kids to just watch music videos, which had been taped excellently off top of the pops and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and that was the first time I can remember seeing Dear Jesse by Madonna, which is, for anyone's interest, the best Madonna song. Yep. I've got from allthingschristmas.com the worst Christmas songs of all time. Am I going to get angry? Um, possibly bewildered. Okay. Um, because as far as I can tell, there is no criteria whatsoever for determining <laughs> what the worst Christmas song is. All I have here is ten songs in an apparently arbitrary order with no justification given. That, my friend, is our wheelhouse. <laughs> At ten. 
At 10, Oh Holy Night by Celine Dion from 1998. Ten, I never, that, I, Dion! I've never heard of that. No, no, I've never heard of <laughs> At nine. At nine, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey, which seems oh, I don't think that's a terrible no, Christmas song. People slag it off. I think it's pretty good. Well, it's as a long, Christmas song. As long as it hasn't got Justin Bieber on it. Well, yeah, there, there is that. I did see. Um, I can't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter saying it's a bit ostentatious to be there at your private log cabin wearing your custom-made Santa outfit, saying all you want for Christmas is anything. When you've got all of that stuff sitting there, uh, but yeah. you know, yeah, you know, well, this is fair enough. And also, if I turned up with a bow around me and said to our last, you know, hey, <laughs> oh, you wanted diamonds or a car or something? No, yeah, forty-five <laughs> minutes of this. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd get quite rightly, I, I would be kicked in the bollocks. At <laughs> <laughs> eight, at eight, take a deep breath. I don't think this is going to be taco levels of laughter, but um, Meowy Christmas <laughs> by Jingle Cats. <laughs> now, Meowy Christmas! That I, have no, work. I have no idea what this is. Is that much Mary? I, I don't know. I'm just finding it on YouTube. Hang on. Jingle Cats is even more shrill and irritating. <laughs> From from a brief look on YouTube while you were speaking there. Yes. Yes, it is. Meow, 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 meow. Oh, God, kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> At seven. At seven, um, I saw Mummy Kissing Santa Claus by John Cougar Mellencamp. Of course. The, <laughs> the definitive reason. <laughs> that, that's a difficult song to explain to a child that still believes in Santa Claus. At <laughs> six. Fairy Tale of New York. That is the sixth worst Christmas song of all time, by, Ben. By the Pogues. By the Pogues. See, there is a version that turns up on Christmas albums now, which is by Ron and Keating. Oh, fuck that one in the eyeball. God I've damn I've heard that version. Terrible. Where he says, uh, you're cheap and you're haggard. Yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. that was... Because, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Cheap Lousy Faggot is an unpleasant line. But Which is what it's supposed to be. Yes. Song, you know, it's two drunks dying on Christmas Eve, <laughs> you know, and smacking or whatever, you know. So, yeah, so far, I've managed to avoid hearing it. Yeah, uh, I've heard it. I have heard it. It's I, not good. See, I've not I heard really it this like year. I like the song, but I'm a huge Kirsty McCall fan. And I, I just want people to remember, uh, this is an appeal on behalf of Kirsty McCall's songs. There are other Kirsty McCall songs. <laughs> you can listen to them. It's fine. No, listen to Freakled or Soho Square or Titanic Nerds. You know, you know, treat yourself. You know, really push the ball out. And most importantly, you can listen to those at any time of year. Yeah. You are not restricted to Christmas. Yeah, although <laughs> when she did release a galore best of, uh, Fairy Tale of New York is like track six or something. It's like, don't, no, you put Christmas songs at the end of an album. They're like, <laughs> ignored until Christmas. Oh, uh, where are we, five? Santa Claus is coming to town, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's 
The only problem that I have with it is that it basically, to me, sounds like what you just did. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like someone doing a bad Bruce Springsteen impression, which is a shame because it is him. Uh, at four. At four, Mary's Boy Child by Boney M. That's fine. That can be on the list. Yeah, that's, that is pretty, pretty rough. Terrible song. But then again, I can't remember the last time I heard it. It doesn't crop up as much as it used to do, definitely. I no. Mean, in my childhood, obviously, there were less Christmas songs about. Yeah. Because obviously now, every, since like sort of late 80s, everyone's tried to have a Christmas hit. Mm. So, you know, your, your Christmas compilations have gone from 1 to 18 disc compilations. But no, I haven't heard that in a very long time. I thought, I don't need to, because it's no. permanently lodged. <laughs> Just next to Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Oh. And a particularly bad Ferris wheel I went on in 1987. <laughs> it's just all up there. <laughs> At three. At three, Happy Christmas War is Over by John Lennon and the Plastic Ocean. I, I I am well uh, known among me <laughs> for being a big McCartney fan, even though he does so many things to make it so easy to hate him, <laughs> like turning up at every event. I think he's turned up at the end of this uh, this podcast, you know, his closing <laughs> ceremony of that. But yeah, uh, well, as I'm not a Lennon fan, but you know what? Merry Christmas was over. It's great. It sounds like Christmas. It is a Christmas song. It sounds Christmassy. And quite frankly, yeah, you hear it a lot, but again, for four weeks of the year. Well, Cold I'm, Turkey, I'm, on the other hand, you never <laughs> hear that on Christmas radio. I'm, I'm sorry, though, Ben, because that is that is the third worst Christmas song of all time. Yeah, and apparently, war was over. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> was indeed over. <laughs> Two. At two, uh, Feliz Navidad, which is... Feliz Navidad! Feliz Navidad, which you only ever hear in action films at Christmas that aren't diehard, basically. Yes. <laughs> you know, usually playing in a bar when... It's Tango and Cash, though. No, it's not. But something like that. <laughs> like that. Man, I wish Tango and Cash was set at Christmas. And they should have done a Christmas sequel, shouldn't they? Where, <laughs> where they have to get... Santa free from uh, I don't know Iranian terrorists or something like that. No, it would be Iranian drug terrorists. That's oh yeah, obviously they they want <laughs> no his beard makes the best cocaine. <laughs> so <laughs> Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone, uh, who has not been botoxed in the face, honestly, <laughs> uh, almost three reactions. <laughs> <laughs> Go in and kick it. <laughs> And number one, the most irritating Christmas song of all time, as voted for by, who'd have guessed it, the internet. Uh, it's Jingle Bells by Frank Sinatra. Oh, God, yeah, it's dreadful. Jingle to be honest, I can't, pick, you know, I can't actually bring it to mind, but nope. I know what Frank Sinatra sounds like, I don't know what Jingle Bell sounds like. <laughs> so, I, I'm going to guess that it's not that offensive. I, I imagine it's just Frank Sinatra singing Jingle Bells in a, in a normal Frank Sinatra sort of way. I can't imagine that being the worst Jingle thing ever. Bells, Jingle Bells, but you know, man. <laughs> Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, R.I.P. Frank. 
It's an artist who did a lot of things which are reprehensible and are worthy of no board worst things ever. <laughs> so enough, I don't think Jingle Bells is uh, the apex uh, of his activities. <laughs> See, I'm really disappointed to find that number one wasn't Stand of the Day by E17 because... It's got Jingle Bells on it! That, that, but that's it. That's the only thing that makes it even remotely... Oh, and the fact they were wearing furry hoods in the video. You know it didn't have that originally, don't you? Because it was number one for ages and then they re-released it with the Slayer. <laughs> Genuinely, that's a different mix. That's fantastic. Yeah, because they thought, oh, well, let's hang on and have a Christmas number one. And they did. Oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of an instant dial-up Greg Lake service. <laughs> <laughs> they say there'll be snow this Christmas. That will now. Uh, no, no, they just play the uh, third side of Tarkus down the front. <laughs> that is no service. I would not pay for that. Uh, at seven. At seven, uh, Santa Key Santas. Santa Santa Key. Santa Key. Is, is it's that... like it's like anarchy, but with Santa oh, at the Santa start. Santa Key. Right. Okay. So since since nineteen ninety four. This is an organisation that's been protesting against the commercialisation of Christmas by dressing up in Santa suits and going out and causing havoc. <laughs> nice. <laughs> their, their, their first recorded appearance features public drunkenness, a Santa being lynched, and an aggre- <laughs> and, and aggressive panhandling Santa shouting, Give Santa a quarter, you cheap son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to lynching. Yeah, but, but... Is that not technically, you know, on the side of... Murder. I don't. I don't. I don't think they literally lynched someone. See, I've just seen someone strung up by the neck with tinsel now <laughs> of, of fairy lights. If you joined our school's choral society, then um, what happened was, you know, you had to do all kinds of, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan concerts throughout the year. But at Christmas, you got corralled into taking part in a carol service at the church down the road, and if you did that, you were allowed to leave. At midday on the last day Boy. and go home so I would get home while none of my family were there while nobody else was there have an afternoon of TV um, you know all to myself and like you know eat all the biscuits in the house and all that. Hey. Uh, but there was it always seemed to be carry on cruising that was on and to me it was never it was never properly Christmas until that had been on oh, listen to that. That, that I mean that is Christmas and I say music yeah, it's so much uh, an, you know, an element of why Christmas is ace, and uh, you don't get more festive sounding than that. For for the listeners at home, if they didn't know, what was that, Tim? Well, uh, you know how normally we do albums that you know get overlooked or are really regarded as classics, or yeah. maybe people haven't heard. Today we're doing one that was like that for a long time, and then started to be talked about in those sort of terms, and then all of a sudden stopped being mentioned at all. Because, well, it's a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector, and I've just heard the clunk across the whole listenership. <laughs> and that Christmas gift is not murders. Well, yeah, let, let's just get this out of the way. I mean, it's quite important that, obviously, there are connotations with this album now due to the producer who, let's yeah. not be coy about this, he went to prison for murder. But the thing is, you have to ask yourself, you know, when something like that happens, can you separate? the art from the artist. And I think unlike some people we won't go into who are in the headlines at the moment, oh, this is so festive, isn't it? (laughs) Well, basically everything they did is their personality. 
I think Phil Spector really was a guy behind the mixing desk. It's it's unfair on the artists who recorded his stuff to say, right, that's it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you do, honestly, you do get things like a couple of years ago, I was listening to this on my iPod on the train on the way into work. The woman sat next to me on the train, saw you know, the album on the screen of my iPod and tutted and stared at me as though, <laughs> as though the Ronettes had done something wrong. <laughs> Do you not remember that? That classic remake of Porridge starring the Ronettes. <laughs> They're all doing time. <laughs> well, it's not as bad as a friend of mine who recently dropped his phone on the train only, <laughs> only for it to somehow activate the MP3 facility and start going, come on, oh. come on. <laughs> But anyway, we're, we're, that's all said. That's all dealt with. Back into festive mode. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we do, it's best to get that out of the way at the front. And also, as, as you say, there's some wonderful artists on here, and uh, it would be a shame to that, especially if they had to suffer in being an asshole. Why take away the the actual end product from them? Well, by all accounts, some of them suffered enough because of him anyway. So well, you know, let's get I mean. them a, give them a bit of a break now. Yeah, and you know, as you may have got the impression already, it's a sort of multiple artist collection, and most people will know of the Ronettes. Most will know about the Crystals. People might know Darlene Love, and the the fourth one is Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans, who I have <laughs> genuinely just had to look up on Wikipedia to find out who the hell they were. They weren't really kind of, you know, pop soul like the Ronettes were. They were sort of more cabaret, kind of, and they were produced by Phil Spector, and Darlene Love was actually a member of them. It was the sort of act that, you know, the Beatles just wiped from history forever, yeah. which is, is why nobody knows about them now. I feel quite sorry for them on that basis. So uh, you say that, when did this come out originally? Well, there's a tale. This was came out late in 1963. Unfortunately... It came out on exactly the same day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, good Lord. So we've just had 50 years of that. A lot of 50-year anniversaries at the yeah. moment. It does tie in because, you know, over in America, there was so devastated about what happened. Nobody wanted a Christmas album. It only got to number 13 in the Christmas week in December 63 in America. But over here... Everyone's too obsessed with the Daleks, who had their own Christmas <laughs> record, of course. But genuinely, that's possibly a reason why it went more or less unnoticed over here. Presumably. You know, the story obviously doesn't end there. No, well, um, one of the few people who bought it was a certain Brian Wilson, who, if you don't know, he was actually very, very inspired by this. And he started to really dominate the Beach Boy sound to the extent that I will call Pet Sounds a Christmas gift for you part two. It's very, very similar sonically. It's sort of a more manic, depressive Christmas gift for you, but well, yes, yes yeah, but, there is. Uh, that. Yes, as you say, in the uh, composition and the sound, and the uh, uh, we've not mentioned the phrase "wall of sound" yet, but the wall of sound. For anyone who doesn't know, was uh, Phil Spector had this technique where he get loads of musicians playing the same, the very small studio with all the echo turned right the way up, and it does, especially in mono, which is supposed to be in it, just sort of blasts out at you. I'm just looking at the cover now, because if anyone's ever seen it, it's got this remarkable cover <laughs> where everyone on it is leaping out of present boxes. The giant boxes, yeah. Uh, Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans are on the far left. Uh, the Blue Jeans are both in green jumpers with incredible sort of blondish, gingerish hairstyles. <laughs> and poor old Bobby Socks looks like he's escaped from the Pasadenas. <laughs> he does look yeah, uh, oddly, oddly, oddly 80s. 80s. 
I was thinking a little bit Luther Vandross. I mean, if Darlene Love was in them, they must be absolutely delighted that she gets not only several solo songs, but she's like at the top of this yeah. crowd going oh, like... Name as well, but the others just have it superimposed over them. She's like going, hi, pals, I'm up next. Of course, she's over the crystals, which are displaying the three ages of classic knitwear. All with Valerie Singleton hairstyles. With <laughs> just that kink, that weird kink at the bottom, yeah, at both sides. <laughs> <laughs> but one, the one on the right of the crystal, well, actually, not the one on the right, the, the third from left, is appears to be wearing something made out of uh, beehide. It just, it, <laughs> she just looks like she's, been, she's dressed like a bee. To be fair, all four of the crystals look like they could be Doctor Who costumes. <laughs> and of course, the Renettes who all look basically like, I don't want to say champs, tramps. Well, I, I do wonder, actually. I've been wondering, because during research, I've been looking at these, some old Pathé news newsreels about Christmas, and it made me think, because a, a lot of them are about grottos opening and, you know, Harrods and Hamleys and so on. And you think, when did it first become a thing? And when did it stop being a thing as much? I mean, I can say that one of my older sisters, there's a photo of her in the... Uh, I assume the late 60s in Lewis's, which was a big Liverpool department store, which has since closed down, meeting Father Christmas. And the way that photo was, you know, regarded, you know, it was framed and stuff. You know, it's not like the, none of the rest of us ever met anyone. You know, I met Richard Herring, was, <laughs> was the framed photo of me and him. <laughs> but, you know, it must, it, must have been a, it must have been a big deal in those days. And yet yeah. now, does anyone still go to department store Santa's? Well, other department stores particularly left. <laughs> yeah, what, what yeah. still survived like the credit crunch? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, Santa is just a, uh, like a sixteen-year-old YTS schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> what I, do you want for Christmas, young like, boy? Like the ones that used to get to be Mister Wimpy outside Wimpy, where I once <laughs> saw one get pushed over and he rolled down the road. Hey, we've we've still got a Wimpy in in Nottingham. I haven't yeah, seen one anywhere else. Christmas there. I, I haven't seen Father Christmas there, but we've definitely still got a Wimpy, and it's still rubbish. So <laughs> I don't understand how it survives. Oh, so far, so 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 polite. Christmas trees. Yeah, it's quite pleasant, isn't it? Yeah. Christmas trees. Why do I think this is going to go wrong very very quickly? Maybe because of the artist's name. Rotterdam Termination Sauce? Yeah! Possibly. Oh. Oh. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Uh. And a happy new year. <laughs> so, when did John Wayne have a machine gun? <laughs> Go to hell, you lousy Indian bastards. <laughs> oh. It's one of those singles. Are you disorientated yet? Gabba. It is indeed Gabba by Rotterdam Termination <laughs> Source, who were apparently leading exponents of Gabba. They also did a single called Poing, which is just a boinging spring for four minutes with drums behind it. <laughs> But, but I've also read, I mean, this was on Wikipedia, so obviously citation is very much needed. But it's claimed on Wikipedia that Gabba was in some way linked to some kind of keep dance music white movement, which I must be baffled by. I mean, what, what? Coming over here, scratching our records. <laughs> boinging our boys. <laughs> Marrying our Christmas. So, what is this? <laughs> 
I really don't know. I remember it was playlisted by Radio 1 when it was out, which is, you got this in the middle of the Steve Wright show, I remember, which doesn't sound right at all. So was this a hit? No, it, I think it got very, very low in the top 75. Poing was quite a big hit, though, which is why it's strange. It's forgotten now. But I actually do like the sort of choir bits. Oh, wildering. Yeah, that's just like, it's like, oh, that's quite nice, and then it's just, bam, 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 <laughs> I was once really amused on the bus to hear some uh, kids talking about whether they'd heard the new single by someone or other or not. One of them said, it was on box last night. <laughs> that, that, that dates it. This should be in a box filled with bricks <laughs> and chucked off the Leeds Liverpool Canal. <laughs> Well, I am these bits kept making me think it's a Mary Whitehouse experience. And the worst thing is that's not even the first time I've referenced that program in these podcasts. It's actually funnier than Rob Newman's own. A dart in the eye funnier than Rob Newman. <laughs> but do you not think about this record? I mean, at least it's that whole bizarre thing about Christmas equals Victorian that always seems to recur. You know, you've got your, your Quality Street adverts, obviously, that they were Christmas, but... There was a, a couple of years when the BBC kept using Victorians in their Christmas items yeah. and so on. Skating. Like one year there was those rotating camel singers oh, that didn't rotate. God, they're terrifying. Like that. <laughs> they really could do. The skaters are worse. Yeah, there, there is. Literally, please just go on YouTube and type in BBC Christmas items. You will not be disappointed. You may be terrified, but you won't be disappointed. <laughs> for for uh, Canadian Post and Postal Centre. Right, there's no such word as Canadian. I'm All right, have Canadian, Canadian, Canadian. No, oh. Canadian is fine. Just... <laughs> Canadian postal centre. Yeah. So in in Canada, you can you can send Santa a letter. There's a special address right. and uh, with a postcode of H zero H zero H zero. Oh, it's clever that, yeah. Ooh. Yep. Um, and then and then you get a letter back. So it's a, it's a stock letter with a personalised PS at the end of it that oh, postal right. workers do on their own time. Okay. Um, but back in in 2007, one of Santa's little helpers was <laughs> writing back, uh, "This letter is too long, you dumb shit." <laughs> and they suspended the program briefly, and then they had to appoint volunteers <laughs> to read the letters before they were posted back out again. <laughs> so God bless him for doing that. And that, uh, while it is a bit funny, it's not that funny. It, it is funny because I don't have children. You do have children, so I find it less amusing. Yeah, I, I don't like the idea of, of my child in tears at <laughs> being told that they're a dumb shit by Santa. <laughs> it is kind of like, that is the sort of precursor to all these people now get sacked but still have the Twitter login details for their old work, isn't it? <laughs> you dumb shit. That's not even clever. It's just rude. It's just half-assed, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's like I want to slag this child off, but I can't be bothered thinking about clever. I've I've got to slag off hundreds of children over the course of the next few hours, and I'm not even getting paid. Let's let's just get through see, this. See, that's just it. That's what they could have said. It's like, well, you know, Santa's got to insult a lot of children all <laughs> over the world in one night, so he has to get some helpers in. 
What are a few of your favourite Christmas singles? The one that always intrigued me on the tape because it didn't sound like anything else I'd ever heard was Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Oh, I'm a bit worried you were going to go back to that Coronation Street. <laughs> 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 but, but, but yeah, I do adore Wonderful Christmas Time. It is amazing. It just sounds like nothing else. And I thought, is this the sound of Christmas? <laughs> is this what Christmas is supposed to sound like? Is Paul McCartney Santa Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> you don't see him at t- t- in December. You know, it could have been. But, uh, it, I mean, that is gorgeous. And Paul McCartney, indeed, has had a myriad of Christmas, or at least festively released singles, including the fucking dreadful <laughs> Mull of Kintai. Yes. <laughs> Apologies for language, sir, but <laughs> it is bad. There's Once Upon a Long Ago... And of course, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reggae. <laughs> that doesn't exist, does it? It does. It's the B side to Wonderful Christmas Time. It's Isn't a, it? It's a reggae version of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, I always really did like Roy Wood and Wizard. Ah, yes. Which, with, his, with his one tune. With his one tune. <laughs> <laughs> See my Christmas jive. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of spectrized up glam rock sound. The sort of big production. Yeah. Yeah, the wall of sound type thing. Is the sort of Phil Spector stuff from the 60s in, included in your favourites as well? Or? Well, yeah, that's that's interesting, really, because basically, when I, obviously, in later years, thought, actually, I'm, I am interested in Christmas singles. I'll find out as many as I can and yeah. find out about them. And it basically, the whole sort of canon of Christmas singles as I know them begins with Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift For You album. Which is from when, roughly? Early I think, 60s? I think it's... About 63, 64. Right. Okay. And uh, it's all covers, but done in the sort of Spectre rock style. Yeah. And there's an original song on it by Darlene Love called Christmas. And this original song is like basically the first Christmas rock song. And that's where it begins. But I didn't hear the Spectre album until my dad brought home a tape of it a few years after I was already very obsessed by this Now album. Mm. And it was dubbed off a really knackered vinyl. But I thought, this is brilliant. There must be some of those that really irritate you. You know, the sort of ones that you will never want to hear again. Or are you genuinely happy to listen to any Christmas songs? All of Cliff Richard's like five. I don't think there's a single good one in it. Uh, so what have we got there? We've got Mistletoe, Mistletoe Wine. Wine. Uh, Save Day. Day. <laughs> there's another one. For God and Jesus is dead still. I believe that is the official one. <laughs> And the, of course, the other one. <laughs> no one remembers. So uh, uh, there's a few more I, I can't stand. There's um, by Cliff Richard. By Cliff Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I have to say, I've never really liked anything pre-Spectre, and it's nothing to do with that. Things like White Christmas has always irritated me. Yeah, I, I think with that it's sort of ubiquitous, and people yeah. sort of say you like this, and you think when you get older, yeah. actually, I don't. <laughs> no interest. And. All the pre-Spectre songs, especially the poppy ones like Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, not the Mel Smith version. Oh. I'm, I'm talking Bonafide Brenda Lee here. They just... <laughs> Full bit. <laughs> they're just far too twee. Yeah, well, they were all basically novelty singles. Yeah, just the rinky-dink. All, they're all rinky-dinky-dink. So, so when do you think, actually, from your personal opinion, sort of Christmas singles became acceptable? Slade with early 70s. John Lennon's was 70, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we could probably we, we could do it in research. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the British hit singles book is all the way over there. Like, it's nearly <laughs> six steps away. But yeah, you got your wizard and your and your mud. 
Yeah. All around that 70s era. And that's when they really became like, it was a, everyone had to do one every year. And those are the ones you definitely will hear. Mm. So when you sort of go into the shopping mall and about, uh, not, not to try and date this too much, but we're recording this in sort of mid-October. And it would be generally about now. Yeah. Basically, when they start to seep in and you hear a tinny version of Slade or... Or uh, you know, in Dulcie Jubilo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Walking to uh, any shop and going... <laughs> uh, so you stop for me around that fucking kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if you, if you were getting one of those expensive festive coffees, it might be while you were taking a break from buying presents. Now, does everyone hate that as much as I do? Yeah. Increasingly less, because online shopping is the best thing in the world. The last time I didn't really concentrate on just online shopping would have been about four years ago. And I can remember, uh, even though like I could go through the day and what have you, through the week, it's still hellish. Well, you see, I'm with you. I try to do online shopping as much as I can, but occasionally something will happen. Like last year, funnily enough, I realised on the Friday night before Christmas, which was only a couple of days to go, that I'd actually accidentally forgotten two people. I had to rush out and get stuff. You know, there's no time to get anything online. And because there was only really the Saturday that I could legitimately do it, I thought, right, OK, I'm going to have to set the alarm for 6am. I'm going to have to get the first train in wait until the shops open in Liverpool 1, which is a sort of a horrible, big, bustling metropolitan shopping centre. I just remember sitting on the train platform, not quite understanding whether I was awake or not, and sending Ben texts that I can't actually remember what I sent. <laughs> uh, and I'll have sent them about six hours later. <laughs> yeah, I think you did, actually. I think I'd seen the Karen Gillan lookalike on the train, and I was mentioning that. Quite a lot of those these days. Not not exclusively on the train, just in general. You know, they're allowed. They're allowed. Gingers, they're allowed on trains now. Phil, have you got all your presents for your kids sorted? Or um, Yes, we've already done. Well, I say we. Again, it, it's my wife that's done all that because I'm terrible at being organised about anything. And um, is that all online stuff? Um, I think a lot of it was, yeah. Uh, I think we got some of it like six months ago because it was like, oh, that looks good. They'll like that. And then it just sits up in the in the loft for a bit <laughs> until it's time yeah. for Christmas. But yeah, I, I hate going out Christmas shopping after four years of working in a shop on a busy high street oh. in a big city. Ah, that, that's um, a good point, actually. I mean, how long did you work at game? Well, I started as a Christmas temp in 1999 or 2000, and I was there till 2004. Uh, and I left. My last day was, well, my official last day was December the 4th. But mm. I ended up having three weeks garden leave before that because I basically just pissed around once I had but noticed until they got fed up of me um <laughs> three four christmases i did there and you would see ridiculous stuff the most ridiculous thing i remember seeing over christmas was as we were putting the shutters down on christmas eve so we've already shut the doors mm. we're putting the big metal shutter down a guy pushed the doors open and rolled under the shutter to get in <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm genuinely not making this up. Did he reach back for his heart afterwards? <laughs> that is exactly what I thought at the time. And and the best part, the absolute best part, he wasn't coming to buy something. He was coming to return something. Wow. At 
five o'clock on Christmas Eve. What was interesting for me was quite often I saw it from the other side of the fence, the whole office party thing. In that, you know, I used to DJ a lot years ago, and in the week coming up to Christmas, you get unusual places like you get office parties turning up on like yeah. the twenty second of December. You know, obviously they had no interest in any of the music. It was just bizarre. Time. They have similar, and it's always what are you playing this shit for? Play this for, and every, every not everyone will dance to it. I guarantee. I make sure everyone dances, so you put it on, and the person who's done it is at, like at the bar talking, and the entire record finishes, and then goes, "Why didn't you play my record?" And that, no, I'll play it this time, and I promise I'll get every year. I do remember one year playing um, Uptown Top Ranking. I remember some girl coming up and saying, what's this called? It's really good. And then she said, I'm going to go home and listen to some reggae. <laughs> some reggae. Some reggae. Yeah. <laughs> I got that compilation as well. Some reggae, volume one. Curated <laughs> by the man of Zeke. <laughs> You're missing the most important message of Christmas ever. Which is? All I want for Christmas is my two front But he has my them! See my two front I can't bloody count more. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, Christmas songs also that aren't hits or should have been hits. So uh, do you still have the same love for those as well? Oh, definitely, because basically once Christmas songs went out of vogue and they became a bit naff in the mid-80s, yeah. basically more or less after this tape I'm talking about came out, yeah. it was the death knell. Because presumably everyone bought it and then was sick of them all. I mean, it's very odd. There's a lot of bands you wouldn't think would release a Christmas single. Yeah, they have. have. Kate Bush did two. Fantastic. XTC yeah. did one. So, what are some of your favourite weird Christmas hits or non-hits? Non-hits. Maybe. <laughs> There's a very, very good one by um, Half Man, Half Biscuits. Very good uh, Ben Folds one. Oh, which he did for the soundtrack of The Grinch, which is an interesting story behind. It's called Lonely Christmas Eve. Right. It's supposed to be sung by the Grinch, from the point of view of the Grinch, but it's just a really nice sort of Ben Foldy pop song that a lot of people know. But the original demo we sent in, he was just said, send a song in for a Christmas film. Right. Uh, which had the main chorus line, Santa's a big fat fuck. What? <laughs> 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 he genuinely did send this demo and said, no, it's a kid's film, it's the Grinch. He went, oh, you could have said... So he did, a, he did Lonely Christmas Eve instead. How many adult Christmas films are there's Bad Santa? And that's it! I mean, Jingle what? All The Way should not be seen by anyone with eyes. But yes, he did bring a... It's called Bizarre Christmas Incident. Alright. Uh, but he later did put it out as a seven-inch single with the, with the real one on the B-side. Alright. Which I'd love to own a proper copy of. And of course, he got him even more obscure, the Pet Shop Boys. Mm. Release, which is one actually. I suspect a lot of people have heard because Radio One got basically. They must have got. A, so was it? How was it put out again? It was a free gift to fan club members in '97, right. I think. Right. And uh, yeah, that got played. I don't know if it still is because I've not really listened to Radio One for a couple of years. But they definitely used to play it a lot mm-hmm. as one of the main rotation Christmas singles. Yet no one knows what it is. No, because it's never come out commercially. Very odd because you think it would be. Uh, yeah. In fact, the only time it ever has come out is Elton John put together a compilation a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. For Starbucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which... I did see a copy of his horrendous cover. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see a very strange <laughs> mutant <laughs> eyes popping out, drawing up. <laughs> Elton John bearing over a piano. Yes. <laughs> 
very strange to see. Put, put that is on there. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, that's... Um, okay. Hi, Mike. Sorry, what the hell is this? I desperately need you to play this record and hopefully play it on your radio show. How did you get in? Security let me in. I told him I was your brother, but... Please have a listen. What you might like it. Going on Christmas song. There's a star. Oh, Come I don't on. know. There's a star. Oh, please. No, 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 no. You, you might enjoy it. It's a great little Christmas number. I'll tell you what. I'll give it a quick listen. Oh, yeah. Go on. Go on. If it's no good... I don't know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want my creed to finish a You don't end that for that, he just says, if it's no good, I'll play it all the way through consistently. <laughs> now, well done for notice, that was Mike Creed, who was being doorstepped by Andy Park, who right. calls himself Mr um, Christmas, who claims to have celebrated Christmas Day every day since July 1993. Why did he pick July 1993? I'm assuming it was just like, I don't know, what what was number one in July 1993? It must be something really bad because, you know, uh, he decided he just wanted to listen to nothing but Christmas music. He has eaten, according to Wikipedia, because there is a large Wikipedia uh, section <laughs> on him. Because oh, there isn't. Fuck the world. <laughs> I just want to see him burn. <laughs> he has eaten 135,000 sprouts. 107,000 mince pies and drunk 6,000 bottles of champagne you just know. since 1994. You... No, no, no. You haven't heard the best bit yet. He has sent himself more than 235,000 <laughs> Christmas cards. You, you know he has sat there with an individual one of those little clicker things to count up. He's got one for sprouts. He's got one for Christmas cards. He's, every time he has a sprout, click, click, click. What a dick. Uh, I think I would kill myself by about September 1996 if I tried this. I like yeah, Christmas, but I yeah, don't want like, it constantly. He got. He, apparently, he's still doing it, and, but this was 2005 he decided to release his own Christmas single. Uh, because, sure, why not? So, hang on, hang on. All this absolute shit is on Wikipedia, and it's verified and cited, and yet I'm not allowed to be on there as a notable source for things <laughs> I've actually written. That's, it's original research, Tim. Original research. He claims that each day he eats breakfast, turkey sandwich and mince pies, then goes to work, returning at lunchtime to eat a full roast turkey dinner before watching a recording of the Queen's Christmas speech with a sherry. What presents does he give himself? I hope it's rock lords. The Queen politely declined an invitation to broadcast her speech from his house. <laughs> does um does he live alone? <laughs> it doesn't say, but I would not be fucking surprised. Uh, but apparently he appeared on Popmaster. I, I can't confirm he lost. He also, in return, appeared on Mike Reed's Christmas single, My Christmas Card to You. So just think, we could be listening to that. But what's it called My Christmas Card to You, Kip? <laughs> Christmas card to you, brackets, not you, you or you, you stop listening. <laughs> in 2001, he was warned by his doctor that his diet was affecting his health. <laughs> it's almost like eating nothing but turkey, mince pies, and fucking roast potatoes and stuffing. And, and sherry. And sherry, and, 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 a, and sherry. a big old shitload of sherry. It's almost like that's detrimental to your health. <laughs> so can I just ask, you know, given that we've... We've had so many staggering chart positions like, you know, Spitting Image, scaling the incredible heights of number 81 in the charts. Where did this get to? Well, what do you think, Mike? It didn't. 
<laughs> they got to the even position of the, didn't. You know, even, <laughs> even with the backing of Mike Reed, I don't understand. <laughs> no, the big guns. <laughs> uh, I have, I've looked at what, what in July 1993, uh, the, the top ten had Prey by Take That, number one. What's up, Four Dog Blondes, Dreams, Gabrielle, Tease Me, oh Takadoos and Pliers, What Is Love, Hadaway, One Night in Heaven, M People, Almost Unreal, Rock Set, of course from the Super Mario Brothers film, <laughs> I Will Survive, 1993 by Gloria Gaynor, Will You Be There by Michael Jackson, and This Is It by Danny Minogue, which makes me think... It's <laughs> not great. You know what? Probably a good choice there, Mr Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Ching, 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 ching. Oh, look, it's Tom Hockey Talk Piano. <laughs> Who could this possibly be? Well, it's Russ Conway, obviously. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, he has a very distinctive sound, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I don't even think I've heard this before, and I've heard it many times. <laughs> People who don't know Russ Conway uh, so much, they may remember Mark and Lard used him for a long time to back various features. Well, not this, but songs that sounded identical to this. Well, he was also name dropped quite a lot in the 80s because it's very weird to think of. I mean, we were talking the other day about, you know, there's that whole pre-Beatles pop era. Pre-Beatles. Well, you know, people like Russ Conway were huge stars, you know, like just a clean, presentable piano player. Mm. By the 80s, it becomes such a byword for naff that, you know, everything slagged him off in the 80s. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's that the Victoria Ward Mensana and Think of Me Doodard. French and Saunders certainly did. Even people like Little and Large made fun of him. Good God, when Little and Large are having a go at you, <laughs> you know you've reached some sort of little and pole. I, don't, I don't see what he'd done wrong. He just he, he had a number one with side saddle. He you did know. seem to have about 807 number ones between like 1955 and 1956. <laughs> he did. And this is Snow Coach. We heard he got to number seven in 1959. So maybe he'd done a record called Shark Jump that we don't. <laughs> Do you remember when Russ Conway jumped the shark? <laughs> We're still playing his piano. I really like this, though. I think it's it nice. is nice, but it sounds exactly the same as all the other ones. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't exactly feel like you'd missed out if you hadn't got this on, you know, first pressing and first day. If this comes out for Record Store Day uh, next year, <laughs> then I hope there's millions of wankers fighting to get hold of it uh, and then listen to it and go. Uh, Excuse me, all these songs sound the same? I think it's been mispressed. <laughs> it's like, no, you're just a prick. That, that might be the best thing you have ever said. Well, I do, like I said, I'd love me Christmas singers, and whilst just looking for stuff, I do random searches online illegally to find... Uh, <gasps> <laughs> I am shocked, listeners. To find things I might not have heard. And I did see once <laughs> listed because <laughs> there's a John and Yoko song, Happy Xmas War is Over. War um, is over. It's is <laughs> Christmas. And the Keith Harris cover, War is Orville. Oh, war <laughs> is Orville. No, I'm not. <laughs> Come to. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I follow up. I hate that Easter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was doing this search and I did see listed on, I think it was Soul Seek, Beatles. <laughs> no, the two E's, Beatles. <laughs> so this is Christmas. Christmas spelled C R I S M A S. 
I can't see what the problem is, personally speaking. And I think oh. I laughed for about an hour. Oh, God. <laughs> that is fantastic. Don't forget the old Where is this from, Tim? I don't really like to think about it. All I can tell you is, I remember reading in, in bits in Smash Hits, this was in about 1986, I think, um, that they said... You know, they used to take the piss out of anyone doing a record, basically. And they had a little thing about um, TV's Bill Waddington doing a record. Now, the photo of him with a banjo, and there isn't actually a banjo on this, which is weird. But um, I remember I heard it once, which was on the car radio when my family were doing Sainsbury's. And we were all saying, God, this is terrible. And I, I didn't think about it anymore until years later. I was trying to track down, believe it or not, a reggae version of the Coronation Street theme by Izzy Royal, which is a fantastic record, and which later turned out John Peel had in that special box of seven inches that he kept to rescue if there was ever a fire in the house. It's really, really good, but I spent ages trying to track down a copy of that. And I asked the local record shop at the record finding service if they could get it for me, and something got crossed wires got crossed somewhere along the line and said, oh, we've got the Coronation Street record and it was this. <laughs> I just couldn't resist buying it because apparently, like, because uh, I was expecting to pay about 10 quid for the Izzy Royal single, which goes for ridiculous money now, but they, they, they managed to source this for 20 pence. <laughs> I thought, I can't really begrudge paying you for it. Being quite disturbed by it. my parents had these sort of like um, that concertina folded paper thing. Yeah. For the Christmases and snowmen, but there were also some clowns that went with them. Oh. I remember as a youngster being quite unnerved by that and thinking, <laughs> well, oh, no, clowns don't go at Christmas. Oh. Clowns and thinking these clowns had some sinister agenda. It's um, once again it's RawThingsChristmas.com, oh, and it's their is their top ten Christmas quotes. Top 10 Christmas quotes. Quotes. Wow. We have got 10. Oh, joy be on tours. At 10. At 10. Charles Dickens. I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Now, can you spot the deliberate mistake, Ben? Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of the quote being Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> Is not Charles Dickens say it's Scrooge in a book by Charles Dickens. It's not that Charles Dickens ever stood there and went... I will honour Christmas in my heart. He wrote it down in a book. That doesn't go as a quote. Maybe he really liked it and shouted it out of the wind. <laughs> you there, boy! What day is it? August 27th! Oh, yes, I'm writing this ahead of schedule. <laughs> Could you go to the goose shop? That doesn't exist! <laughs> oh, yes! I'm <laughs> moving on. Ow. And at nine, Christmas nine. <laughs> at nine, Larry Wilde, whoever he is, oh. never worry about the size of your Christmas tree. In the eyes of children, they are all 30 feet tall. Penis. It means, it means... No. What? Don't do that. What? No. I only own two Lost Profits albums, Lee. <laughs> don't do that. No. No, no, but he does sound like one of those. Yeah, don't worry about the size of your Christmas tree. It's the tinsel that spurts out the end of it. Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There's no context. Moving oh, on. I'm eight. By W.J. Cameron, whoever that is. 
There has only been one Christmas, the rest are anniversaries. I bet he's a fucking riot at Christmas parties. There's only been one Christmas, and that, of course, was 1984, when Band-Aid went number one in the... <laughs> All the rest are just simply memories of Band-Aid's past. <laughs> I am the ghost of Band-Aid's past. <laughs> yeah, you don't get... You're not getting haunted by Nigel Plain and Dredd's a meal <laughs> trying to have a conversation with status quo, do you? No. <laughs> I know that haunts me every day. <laughs> I think Band-Aid 20 haunts all of them. <laughs> At seven. So now, this, this is I like this one a lot because it seems to have been copied down by someone that didn't really know what they were doing. At so, seven, it says that this quote is from Mary Ellen Chase. And it says, Christmas, children, is not a date, it is a state of mind. And then underneath that, it says, unknown. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is just someone copying and pasting shit now. You lazy people at all things, Christmas.com. No, man, no, I want to know about these Christmas children. <laughs> <laughs> they sound delicious. And much cheaper than a turkey at this time of year. <laughs> oh, God bless us all. Tiny Tim, cut another leg off. At six, Norman Vincent Peale. I liked it said, when he shouted Mr. Grimsdale and fell over a lot. Um, apparently said, Christmas waves a magic wand over this world and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. Lie. Lies. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> what about when you killed Nikolai Ceausescu on Christmas Day? <laughs> Do you think it was soft and wonderful? That is an oddly specific reference. I don't know. It's just, I'm just trying, you know, weirdly, I was trying to think of someone who died on Christmas Day. And the two things that I could remember were James Brown and Nikolai Tavcheski. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's how my brain works for Christmas. Especially and and rather, rather than pick the singer that lots of people liked as an example of a bad thing happening on Christmas Day, you pick the dictator that everyone hated. And oh, <laughs> But don't forget the classic Ceausescu quote. Good God, I want to myself. Ooh. I see what I've done there. I see what I've... <laughs> It's all right. I see what I've done there. It's fine. It, keep moving. Keep moving. So, at, at, at five. At five, it's Shirley Temple. I stopped believing in Santa Claus when I was six. Mother took me to see him in an apartment store and he asked for my autograph. Shirley Temple. <laughs> They've written Shirley Temple again after the quote. <laughs> So they put, they put yeah. Shirley Temple in the header. Hi, Shirley Temple. I don't see Sander. Yours, Shirley Temple. After the <laughs> sentence, like, like a telegram of some description. Oh, dear. I went and see Sander. asked for my autograph. So what? Other famous people are allowed to exist in the world. We all like the idea that Santa lives in a vacuum. Like, he's got 364 days off. All he does is watch ITV2. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's more of an ITV foreman. He's watching uh, repeats of the Heat Professionals. Is he watching the Sweeney? Yes. <laughs> that would explain the uh, the rise of Ray Winston dolls this year for, on the Christmas list for children. Oh, don't watch the Sweeney. <laughs> I'm not planning to. Yeah, out four. Out four. Harlan Miller. I don't know who that is. Oh. Probably the reason we all go so haywire at Christmas time with the endless, unrestrained, and often silly buying of gifts is we don't know quite how to put our love into words. See, that sounds like Garrison Keillor, it's uh... Yeah. Well, and Harlan Miller that's... sounds a bit like Garrison Keillor. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's where we're going. <laughs> uh, to be fair, it, 
I mean, it, it, it's no, it'll not sell many ice creams going at that speed. Oh, you know, I'm playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. I'm just saying, it's when you think Christmas quotes, it's not even Mike Yarwood saying, Hello, I'm Prime Minister. How do you? No, no, I'm just Commission time six. I refuse, I refuse to research this piece. <laughs> and three! And three. Oh, I'm going to say the person's name after this one. The only blind person at Christmas time is he who has not Christmas in his heart. And that was Helen Keller. Still blind. I presume it was followed up by someone. The only blind person at Christmas time is he who has not Christmas in his heart. And you, Helen, because you're blind. No, no, right. You say that, and I'll, I'll do. I'll do the line back. Hey. The only blind person. Helen, I'm over here. I'm over, stop talking to that stand. I'm over here. You silly cow. Do you know what? I was expecting you to just yell piss into the middle of my sentence, so that was an improvement. It's Christmas. We're having a bit of variation. <laughs> And two! Hey. two! <laughs> Carol Nelson. No idea who that is. Yeah. Christmas is a time when you get homesick even when you're at home. What? I, I only have to watch Christmas with the cranks in four Christmases. <laughs> oh dear. And at number one, the best Christmas quote, and I cannot wait. <laughs> this is. Go. This, this is by Agnes M. Farrow. Of course it is. The one that you see <laughs> on every Christmas card. Every year. What is Christmas? It is tenderness for the past, courage for the present, hope for the future. It is a fervent wish that every cup may overflow with blessing rich and eternal, and that every path may lead to peace. TLDR. <laughs> you can't have a, a, a classic quote that is like four lines. Why don't you come up and sing me sometime? Along rules and regulations, which I'd like to point out right now. For example, uh, part B in the regulation C. As, oh, God. Please ensure that when climbing the stairs to come up and see me, you securely hold the handrail. Tab A in slot B. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed oh, No, no, let's stop. We've let him get away with this. Phil said he went carol singing. I, I, want, I want an example of some carol singing. I know. I can't do it anymore. When oh, I was, uh, you went with I, morph. Yes, that's what I said. I went with morph. Why do you hear everything I say is the word morph, Tim? Because he's wrong with morph. What? <laughs> morph, 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 no, when, when I when I was uh, much younger, I was, was in the, the church choir with my parents, and one of the things we did over Christmas was we'd go around doing carol singing. So we got free mince pies and all that sort of thing. So yes, actually went and did carol singing. Not interesting. But it's true. What songs did you do? It was it was just your traditional Christmas carols. It was a, it was a C of E. So. Bird on the second floor. <laughs> yeah, it was just normal songs, but with jingle bells in the background. Naughty Christmas Goblin in the office. <laughs> Without fail. Merry Xmas. Ding dong. Hello. Hello. You're naughty, naughty woman, woman, woman. <laughs>
I am not. Did you, did you ever okay. go Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, sing a song for the Happy New Year, and then these sort of Belgian techno blokes start going. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to be closing this show, you pair of bastards. <laughs> I haven't mentioned anything. <laughs> <laughs> The, the turnaround Christmas, it does have a message. Yeah. And uh, I think ABC have the right to show it, and they always show it uh, uh, at Christmas time now. But because it's an old half an hour, and adverts, they need to cram in so many more, they have to show it as part of, as an hour slot now, to get the <laughs> amount of adverts that they want to do. And then they have like a 10, 15 minute, like, I think in recent years they've had a making of, Oh, for, oh, God, for a second, I thought you were going to say they have somebody talking about issues at the end of it. Oh, oh well, that, that, that might happen Oh, no, well. no, hang on, no, what, what, where's Parky come from? I, I remember talking to my good friend, Woodstock. He said... <laughs>